0: Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. About 25 years ago, Lindy and I, we, we planted five Japanese maples. They were beautiful trees at the time, about 10 feet tall. They were, they were an investment for us. And now, 25 years later, they're... 20, 25 feet tall and, and, and just as wide. And, and this week, they're just exploding. And in a few weeks, when the petals start falling, it'll be like that dream. They just become a carpet on the ground. And so, you know, this Easter feels so different. I, I don't know if there's any time in our lifetime when church hasn't been meeting together and church at Bethel Atlanta is pretty special on Easter. We've always dressed up, we're a pretty casual church. but That's a day where we dress up and the ladies wear hats and all the little girls are wearing their dresses and it's, uh, we've had balloons. And I remember we would just have helium balloons everywhere in our old ABC building. And then six months later, you'd still see some pot balloons hanging in the lights and remember Easter. But Easter's not going to be stolen from us this year. In fact, it's going to be the most memorable. The world is shaking around us. And so I have a feeling this Easter is going to be as special as anyone ever in our lifetime. Uh, There's time to be with family. There's time to remember. People are circling the wagons and thinking about what's most important. And so Easter's not stolen. It's going to be the most memorable. And I wanted to share today about the passion of Jesus, the time walking up to the cross. We're gonna leave the resurrection for next week. And, and, uh, but there's beauty in this half of our salvation. There's beauty in this piece. And what Jesus did on the cross wasn't an afterthought It was his assignment before the foundation of the world. God wasn't caught by surprise when Adam and Eve sinned. Uh, He didn't come up with a plan B. It's not an oops plan. Jesus knew why he came, what his assignment was. It was clear. And the story of our Lord and Savior is such a beautiful one. The way the Holy Spirit hovered over the matrix of the Virgin Mary and Jesus born fully God, fully man. Fully God by the Holy Spirit, fully man, the Virgin Mary representing mankind. Not part, not half and half, but fully God, fully man. And the story just weaves together so beautifully because uh, as we know, uh, Adam put sin into the very nature of mankind and all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have uh, been enemies of God. We, um, you know, we sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. I know it's, it sounds like a trite phrase, but it's actually theologically important. Uh, that is in our bloodline. There was actually a, a virus in the bloodline of Adam. And and because of that, uh, Even the the little five-year-old girl, so precious, but there's a sin nature there. The the most hardened criminal, there's a sin nature there. And we've been separated, even enemies of God by that. And yet God came in this unique way, the Holy Spirit, God-man, fully God, fully God by the Holy Spirit, Jesus having the capacity not to sin, because he was part God, and Jesus being human, having the capacity to sin, and he walked this perfect life. He walked in innocence. He walked in grace. In fact, let's uh, let's look at Ephesians two, one through three. Uh, if you're, hope you have a Bible with you. Uh, go grab one. Uh, pull it up on your phone. But Ephesians 2 is a a great chapter in the Bible. We don't preach out of it much, and so it'd be a good one to resurrect here. And verse one, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked to the course of this world. So we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. We all have that in common. Our great-great-great-grandfather was Adam, and in him... We were all dead in our trespasses and sin. Entire mankind is that way. In which you formerly walked to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air. That's the enemy, that's, that's Satan. He's the prince of the power of the air. And the spirit is now working in sons of disobedience. So we're, we're really dead in our trespasses, sons of disobedience is who we are. And among them, we too formally lived in the lust of our flesh. So it's hard for us to ever, we should never be self-righteous. The scripture says among them, we too, we too walked as sons of flesh and in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind. And we're by nature, children of wrath, even, As the rest. So there's no room for us to be self-righteous. We're all born in the sin of Adam and dead in our trespasses and sins. But Matthew 26, we come upon Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's an interesting, there's a that scene, that part of human history. It's never happened before, never happened again. And you had Jesus who walked a perfect life. You know, what you had with him was heaven couldn't contain him. You know, the ancient of days became a babe. You had sinless perfection, innocence, the essence of purity, the essence of truth. He had grace on him there was no variation in him. Imagine, he he never told a half-truth to cover up a mistake. He never told a lie. In the midst of the most powerful people in the world, he would look them straight in the eye, tell them the truth. There was no lust in him. There was no variance in him. He was full of love. People would curse him. People would misinterpret him. People would lie about him. People would pierce him in the side. People would sell him. He withstood all the shame. And he responded with love. And he was a man's man. He, was strong. he responded with a purpose, strength, courage, pure innocence. He was our brother in Christ He was the essence of purity, holiness. He was undefiled. He was separate from the world. Everyone he touched, he healed. He walked a perfect life. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he took a cup. And in this cup, imagine this, the most pure, the most innocent, the most wonderful and lovely. But in this cup was every sin, past, present, and future. It represented every evil, every lust, every horror, everything that Hitler had to offer, everything Mussolini or Stalin. It represented every sexual deviance, every lie, every abuse was in the cup. And there was this crashing and this moment in history. And he asked the three to stay up and pray, Peter, the others, would you pray? Would you wait? And in that moment of anguish where he was even sweating blood, where innocence crashed into evil, he said, wait, will you pray? Could you pray an hour? Could you pray an hour? And those three representing the church were asleep. And I wonder, even in an hour today where the Lord needs the church to be alive and awake and full of prayer, it's not our day to be asleep. But in this cup represented evil. And Jesus, anguishing on his knees in the garden, took on the cup, and as he drank it, he became sin. Sin just didn't wash over him. He didn't dip his toe in it. He literally drank it, and it represented him becoming sin. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he actually became sin. He, be- he became sin. He became a curse so that we wouldn't have to be cursed. He became sin so that we could live free of sin. He became shame so that we wouldn't have to have shame. He became, he died, he became death so that our spirit man would not have to ever die. This is the beautiful message of the cross. This is the beautiful message prior to resurrection. He became our shame, he became sin. And I've just, for the last few weeks, I've just had this garden, this cup on my mind. And normally I would love to preach the Easter message, but I've just had this cup in my thought process and I'm finding the beauty of it, the actual um, grace of it. I'm I'm catching myself having just a sense of what it feels like. And the gift, the premeditated actual gift that he came. And so we're living in a world that's being shaken more than ever. And I think that's our opportunity to be for this to be the best Easter because around us, the world is shaking. And some of us have felt shaken, either financially and jobs have been lost. People we know have been infected. Every day there's uncertainty and we're watching news and the, the news last week has been bad. Every day has been bad news. It's, and it's okay if we've been shaken. It's okay if we've been discouraged. It's okay. Like Lindy was sharing in her dream, like I was dealing with some fear. It's okay. But we are also the ones that heaven is rolling into our hearts. And as I shared a couple Sundays ago that it's a divine reset. It's a time to gaze upon the Lord. It's also a time to seek first the kingdom. It's a time to be reminded of the scripture that we we actually can be seated in heavenly places. Heaven can be rolling into our hearts. And so when the world is shaking, it's our time to remember that we've put on eternity, that we've been bought with a price, that someone took on death and shame and sin on our behalf. If you turn to 2 Corinthians 4.17, it's a beautiful verse, 2 Corinthians 4.17. It's the last, uh, second to last verse. For momentary light affliction, it is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison, momentary light affliction. And while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know, the Apostle Paul, we've been talking about him, how he, how he was shipwrecked three times, beaten 39 lashes five times, and the laundry list of things he endured just went on and on. So he's earned the right to to say, I'm gonna live in the eternal and not in the temporary. He's earned the right to say these temporary light afflictions. And it's our day, it's our day to shine. It's our day to live from an eternal perspective. The world's shaking. And it's looking for us to be carriers of hope. The world is shaking and it's looking for us to be the ones who have an eternal perspective. It's looking for us, Paul said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Will we be the ones in this moment who carry hope, who carry peace, who carry the Christ one? He is our peace. He's the one, and I just catch myself when I'm my head gets down, or I get discouraged, or I think things aren't going the way that they should. We lift up our heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up. We seek first the kingdom. We set our gaze upon Him, and we're the eternal ones. We're of a different kingdom our song, if it's true, if for the mature ones in Christ who just know him, where that faith has gone beyond tradition, beyond being family. Hey, I'm from the South. I go to church. Hey, I've read my Bible. I said a prayer at youth camp. For the ones who've gone beyond that, where they've actually know him, he says, my sheep hear my voice, where we experience him. More than just knowing him through the word, which is good, just knowing him through the tradition of our churches, which is good, just knowing him because our parents knew him, which is great. But this is the season when, the, you know, the feet are hitting the floor where the truth is coming out. Uh, It's okay to get shaken, but we're the eternal ones. There's this this rock song I love. We go to war with the brothers we trust. There ain't no stopping us. ain't no stopping us. And that's the day in which we're living. These momentary afflictions are like, they're like a, a little black feather. But the eternity that we live in, the grace that's been given to us, The story of the resurrected Christ and the Christ that loved us so much to die for us. That's a 2,000 pound rhino in our midst, the weight of that compared to a little black feather. And let me take you to Ephesians 2.8. This is a verse that, I don't know why we don't, see it as much, but when I was in college, just everybody knew this verse and quoted this verse all the time. And even before that, verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace have you been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places." Lord, I pray we as a community would just find ourselves seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and it's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Jesus from the foundation of the world came and his assignment was to take that cup to become sin for us, to hang on a tree, to be pierced on his side as was prophesied hundreds of years prior, to die between two thieves as was prophesied before, to be hung on a tree as was prophesied before, to be to be put in the tomb of a rich man as was prophesied. If we just took the 100 prophecies about Jesus and you could look at them without emotion, intellectually, there'd be no way to to not find that he was the Messiah, the Christ. But we don't come to him out of intellect. We come from our heart. He caught our heart. In sales, we say you know, emotion buys, but reason pays the bill. It's the same with our faith. We came with our heart first and now our head follows. I came with my heart. It helps that there are a hundred prophecies that predicted his death and burial, his resurrection. And I was thinking about Lindy's dream. You know the blood of Christ. Uh, when you watch the movie, The Passion, and it's horrific—the agony of the and the brutality of the way he died. You know, I, I don't believe he had a nice little robe around him. I believe he was humiliated and naked, broken. But it was interesting, Lindy's dream, where his blood was this soft red Japanese maple, if you will, just leaves that are falling, a carpet of them falling all over her. And while it was horrific then for us who know him, for those who are intimate, Lindy in that dream, intimate with her brother Jesus, intimate where the blood now is precious. It's it's like a soft red petal. It's comforting. It is what opened the door for her to be saved, for her to be made righteous, for her to have relationship, for her to be a daughter of the King. It's that part of our heart It's that preciousness of our intimacy and our relationship with us that is inside out from the very depths of us coming out. And in a world that is shaking, we stand on the rock. In a world that is not sure what tomorrow will bring, we stand in the certainty that We've been bought with a price and we're people of a different kingdom. And we carry hope and we carry peace and we carry provision and we carry authority and power to say, no more, stop. We carry the ones that love. It's our day to shine. It's going to be the best Easter ever. Uh, I can't tell you how much... um, We all are feeling like we need to see each other. We need to hug each other, a kiss on the cheek, worship together, dance together. It'll make it just more precious when we're together. He's rolling into our hearts. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the great I am. Why don't we close in prayer? So Father, I just thank you I thank you for our body, I thank you for the church, I thank you for the perfect life of Jesus. I thank you for his willingness to be an obedient son and to drink the cup, the cup of wrath, the cup of curse that he became cursed for us, he became sin for us. And I pray you roll that gratitude into our heart in a way you never have. I pray you roll that gratitude into us that says, this temporary thing we're in, I'm gonna live from eternity. For the King of Kings pursued us. The King of Kings gave his life for us. The King of Kings ripped the veil from the top down so that we would have access all the time and be sons and daughters of the living King. Let us be those that are so intimate that we walk with you in the garden and the blood of Christ, the sacrifice becomes like beautiful red petals that are a fragrance, an odor, an essence that just uh, remind us of the preciousness of our God and King, the preciousness of the sacrifice he gave for us. And let us live with that in our hearts. When the world is shaking, let us be the ones planted on the rock, knowing we're sons and daughters of the most high and gracious King and God. We pray all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.